Welcome to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast with your host, Alicia McCormack. That is me. I am the host of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, and this is a really exciting episode because it's almost a throwback in a way, but with new information. The fourth episode of this podcast that I ever created all those months ago, feels like years, was called Four Ways to Save, and I thought... And I remember saying at the time, there are so many more options. And I know each week I really do try and come up with budget busting options. We're not all on a budget, but as I always say, even the really super wealthy rich people out there are trying to save money to then just use it elsewhere. It doesn't mean you have to be a super tight ass. It doesn't mean you have to be a person that is watching every penny sent whatever, or as my dad would say so eloquently, tight as a fish's ass, watertight. Well, you can use that one. It just means that you are mindful of your money and then you can use it elsewhere to have a good time, pay for something else. So this episode, I wanted to give you another four ways you can save money, maybe even five, if I'm feeling really generous, five ways to save money on your wedding, no matter what budget you are playing with. If you have downloaded the very free copy of my book called The Guide to Getting Hitched, you would have read all about this. But I wanted to start with a bit of a bit of a wake up call, I would say, and that is the whole idea of what a budget is. A budget, my friends, is something that you come up with before you do anything else when it comes to planning your wedding. A budget can be huge. A budget can be small. It doesn't really matter as long as you have a figure in mind because ideally you need a figure in mind to set a budget so you can stick to a budget. That means even if your budget is $100,000, my word, good luck to you, that means you've got a figure to then go back and actually separate all of your wedding expenses and costs and then allocate that money. Now, you might be saying, oh, no shit, Alicia, I know what a budget means, but think about it. A lot of people go, oh, my budget's about, I don't know, $20,000 or whatever, and then they end up spending $50,000 because they're not really sticking to the budget. So yes, you hear me drone on and on and on about actually writing down a figure as if you're giving someone an amazing deal, you know, when they write it on a bit of paper and they slide it across the table. That's what I want you to do today, tonight with your partner. And even if you're halfway through your wedding planning, I want you to sit down and have a conversation about what the realistic figure is that you're going to spend. Even if you aren't aren't watching your money and you're going batshit crazy spending money because you don't care and you have the money, I suggest this is a, a vital step in the process so you don't get a really rude awakening or a awful, awful credit card bill, or as I like to call them, an angry windowed envelope. You know, you never get one of those envelopes or envelopes, depending on where you are, where you've got the clear little bit. That just means it's trouble. You know, there's nothing that's ever saying to you, here's $1 million. That would come in, well, I've never received that sort of letter. But I'm just telling you that if you get the windowed envelope, that really means someone wants your money and that's not good. And that's what usually credit card statements come in or bank bills. Or people saying, please 
pay us money. You owe us money. So although it feels and sounds boring, setting a budget is actually really empowering. And the biggest first step or a step that you can take when you're halfway, three quarters of a way through to regain control of your money. And also it's an empowering thing. You can decide to go, listen, we're not going to hemorrhage any more money or perhaps the other way around to say, we've got some extra coin in our pocket we'd like to spend. Here's how much we're going to invest in the wedding. One thing I don't want you to do is to visit the land of denial because it's a really boring land to get out of when you're in it. Trust me, I've been there on many different occasions in my life and it's much braver and bolder to actually own up to the fact that you don't have as much money as you think, you're not as thin as you think, you aren't as funny as you are. (laughs) These are all things that I have faced in my life and that's not bad. Denial can be a really good place to be in temporarily when you need to get through something. But when it comes to not over-capitalizing on certain events in your life, it can be really good to climb out of denial very quickly and get back to reality and then come up with a cool problem-solving way to fix it and not have to be stuck feeling really bad afterwards. Have I droned on enough about that? No, I haven't because I really believe in this. Again, as I said, the guide to getting hitched, you can go to my website, get it for free. I wrote a book a couple of years ago. It is jam-packed full of this sort of information and it's absolutely free. Just sign up to my mailing list. I'm not going to try and sell you anything. It's really just to promote you listening to this, which you are. So, you know, you just go about your business. Download the book. There's a whole chapter on creating a budget and I believe very strongly in it. Very serious voice I'm doing right now. Should we get to the tips? Yes, of course we should. All right, the first way to save is, now this is controversial and lots of people will go, get lost, Alicia, forget it, I don't want that. But then some people will go, that's an amazing idea, I've never thought of it. How would you feel about getting a friend or family member to marry you? Well, there you go. You can actually have this done. If you live in America, especially, and I'm not going to go into every country's deals because you all got very interesting laws that I couldn't get my head around, but especially in the US, this this absolutely comes to you. You can have a friend be ordained, and it doesn't mean, when I say ordained, it doesn't mean they have to be religiously ordained. It means they can pay some money, and they can go online, and they can choose to be ordained as a minister, or a celebrant, or a registrant, if you use that term, and then they will legally be able to marry you. Now, there are a couple of, if you Google, um, I don't want to give you too many things over the, over the, uh, the podcast because it's boring when I read out web addresses. But also, if you just Google the word ordain, it will give you the various organizations in your state where a friend could go on and learn how they can officiate your wedding. Um, most of the 50 states in America will recognize this. In the UK and Australia, it's quite different to become a celebrant as my good friend Josh Withers, who you would have heard on the podcast. Uh, it's not as easy in Australia. You've got to commit. It's a bit of a course and it's about 800 bucks. So I would say, and they're not really keen in Oz of uh, ordaining or, or registering celebrants who aren't willing to do this for a career. But you never know. If your friend is really into it, they may decide this could be a secondary career or a first career for them. So if they're really good at public speaking, 
being able to follow a script because that is important. There are things they must say in the service to make it legal. And uh, if they've got the personality, perhaps you are accidentally guiding them to a new career. (laughs) I don't know. I think, if you all remember, when I think about this, I think of Joey from Friends marrying uh, Monica and Chandler. Do you remember that? It was... It was quite sweet. So, I guess by the powers vested in me by the state of New York and the internet guys, (laughs) I now pronounce you husband and wife. Oh, wait. Do you take each other? I do. I do. Yeah, you do. Oh, they were good times, running home after school to watch Friends. Do you remember that? You're probably far too young, old lady McCormack here. But I do remember with Friends, going off the topic, but just saying saying, we would all discuss it the next day at school. And uh, sometimes I'd have to record it on my VHS. What's that you say? It's a big old box that you put crappy tapes in. And then someone would tape over your VHS and sometimes you'd have to stick on the side of the VHS what is it called? I was going to say disc. I can't even remember what it was called. Tape. that You'd have to cover up the little hole so that it would stop people from recording over your favorite programs. Look that up, kids, if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So <laughs> getting a friend to marry you, I've got a couple of not warning things, but just quick things to say. As always, when we're talking about inviting people to be a part of your wedding on a professional level, you need to make sure if you're going to ask someone to do this, that well, A, they want to be a part of it. B, they're going to take this massive responsibility of marrying you very very seriously. They're going to take it seriously. I don't mean they have to be very serious and monotone on the day. I just mean that they're not going to dick around, that they're going to do their research, they're going to work with you to make this right. Now, I will say a really good celebrant, a really good person, a minister, a registrar will make the event. So I'm not saying don't go with a professional person because you want to save a buck. I'm saying that if you have a friend or family member that could do this job really well and you think he's very special and close to you and that could pull this gig off and you live in a city slash country slash state that allows this, I would say give it a, give it a burl as we would say in Australia, consider it. It's just an option. Google in your area if there's something you want to do and consider. Google it. Make sure it's all very legal. Also, the other thing is if you're having a destination wedding and you do have to have a, well, I say proper service, if you have to go to the town hall and have a service outside of the country or in your own home country before you go to a destination wedding, one thing you could do then if you're already legally married is to then ask a friend or family member to do the service in the country. If you are especially having a destination wedding where you've got a limited amount of people, it's nice to have someone that knows you and you're not bringing in a celebrant that you've only just met on the day. My second tip of uh, saving some cash on your wedding day is to embrace the all-inclusive And when I say all-inclusive, I mean hotels, resorts, golf clubs, various uh, country clubs that allow you to go in and say to them, I have 100 friends and family members that I would like to bring to your place and I would like you to feed them, provide them alcohol and also clean up after the event. 
How much does that cost? So all-inclusive is one of those options that if you are on a tight budget, it works very well that they will go about organizing and sometimes even decorating and managing your event for a set price. Now, this is not everyone's cup of tea, but trust me, there are a lot of options out there that will fit with your style and fit with your vibe, even if you're sort of looking for a hipster indie wedding. I really can't reiterate this more. The fact that you need to be a little lateral thinking and a bit creative when it comes to this, but I don't want you if you want to get married in a barn or something, perhaps a barn is maybe a bit out of the out of the box, but if you want to get married in somewhere that's a bit unusual, I would still very heavily research all-inclusive packages. There are lots of amazing boutique, trendy, hipsterville hotels that offer these packages that are really underused when it comes to people holding weddings. Lots of great function centers and hotels do events that aren't, you know, corporate events that aren't necessarily wedding-y. They do big birthday parties, but you can find some really good options. And even in art galleries and places like that, it doesn't have to necessarily be a hotel, that you can go to them and say, what's your package deal? The other really good thing besides actually having everything looked after, well, that is an amazing thing when it comes to wedding planning. If you're not into to fussing over the details, an all-inclusive package is one of those options where you know your guests will be fed, you know that they will be watered, you know that at the end of the night, you don't have to pack anything up You besides yourself, you grab your handbag, you grab your partner and you leave or you chuff off, as we would say in Australia. And you don't have to worry about any added extra extras when it comes to payments. The other thing is in an all-inclusive environment, I would say 80% of the time, the venue, whether it be a, an art gallery or some sort of high-end uh, arty place or a hotel or a country club or a golf club, will provide you with a day of wedding planner and will also help you with your wedding planning process along the way by providing you with almost like free help. And that's part of the deal. They want to make sure that your event runs smoothly on their premises. They also are in tune with other vendors that they use regularly at their function center or or hotel. For example, florists who regularly supply flowers to their venue, they could get you a reasonable deal. It might even be included. I have seen hotels that just provide everything. It's basically just turn up on the day. Now, that's not to say that you can't then go back and say, I don't really like your menu. How much extra money or will you? What, what's the price to be changing up your menu details? Or we would like cocktails involved in our celebrations. They're very important to us. These are options that you can add on. It might cost you a bit more money. But if you are after a no-fuss option, I would say the all-inclusive package, although not incredibly exciting in the sense of planning everything and every minute detail, it's also great if you're a stress head and you just want to hand over some cash and hand over the responsibility of making it all happen. So again, think laterally when it comes to your event. I would also ask work friends, family members, and uh, well, friends in general about where they've been to great functions that aren't necessarily your norm. If you like boating, 
have a wedding on a boat. Although that's hellish. If you're having a shitty time and you can't get off the boat, that can be really annoying. But no one's going to have a shitty time at your wedding. So problem solved. I I, embrace, I say embrace the all-inclusive if that's your bag. And uh, if you have a suggestion, if you have a, an out-of-the-box suggestion when it comes to this, do let me know. I always love hearing about unusual venues. Savethedatepodcast.com is where you visit. Just go to the connect little uh, connect button. It's not a button. It's a word in the menu and the drop down at the top, send me a message, send me the information. I'd love to know. Number three, I say go digital and cut the printing fat. Now, I'm not saying you have to go completely digital when it comes to your wedding invitations and information, but it certainly helps. And I'd say environmentally as well. I've got an episode coming up about planning an ethical and environmentally friendly wedding and what you can do to save, well, save money again, but also save the environment. We throw away a lot of shit at the end of weddings. I want you to think about that. And I, I say that in, in the saying, I want you to think about that. I mean, it, it's the idea that we do dispose of flowers that other people can use. In my Flower Week episode, I think it was episode 69 and 70, I featured a florist who talked all about donating flowers to hospices and hospitals and old people's homes after your wedding, which I just think is the most wonderful thing. You're not throwing in in the rubbish. You are giving joy to other people who perhaps aren't in the same wonderful, joyous situation you're in. So when it comes to when I'm saying less wasteful, I'm talking about printing uh, well, how about this? Printing expensive programs for your wedding service. Now, if you're like me, I go to weddings to watch the wedding, to be a part of the wedding, to be a part of the emotion, not necessarily reading two bits of paper, you know, sitting there making noises with your two bits of paper reading what's going to happen. It's all about the program is a really traditional, probably coming from a church environment where you're given an order of service. You might have the words to uh, a song if you're asking people to sing along in, in, in a sort of more traditional environment. You might have some poetry or a reading. Now that's all very nice, but I bet you if you've got a hundred people in that guest list in the audience there in wherever you're having the service then not you know maybe 10 people will take that home and put it in their purse and then it will sit at home and then eventually they'll put it I'm hoping in the recycling bin and it's sort of one of those printing costs that will cost you money that will be eventually left for someone to clean up on the day at your service and I think is pretty unnecessary so if you are considering having a program make it double-sided Make it, uh, you know, black and white. Make You can make things black and white and it doesn't have to look like some sort of cheap, nasty business that you've printed for free at the office. By the way, do some printing at the office. I'm just saying, I print stuff all the time at the office and they don't know. Is it wrong? I'm not saying print nine novels. I'm just saying do a bit of cheap printing. I didn't tell you to do that. The other thing you could save money in, so programs... Individual menus on tables, that's really, I think, unnecessary. You can put a lovely framed or a lovely well-presented menu on each table. No one really gives a shit. You'll be able to look at it for two seconds and go, oh, we're having chicken. Oh, we're having turkey. I hate turkey. I'm going to bitch about this all night. Whatever. 
no one's really going to care or go, oh, I didn't get an individual menu. I feel completely ripped off and I've had a terrible night and this is exactly what I'm going to remember for the rest of my life about this wedding. Forget it. Elaborate seating plans. If you are looking for some more creative, money-saving seating plans, I beg of you to to look that up on Pinterest. There are so many fabo ways that's fabulous in Australian, fabo ways to save some coin when you are printing these seating charts, writing them on various things, including them in your wedding favors. I'm talking about a combo, a bit of a combination seating plan slash favors. Maybe you could combine the two. Just get creative. Use your brains. You can do it. Um, if you were using letterpress or high-end printing techniques, which I love. I personally think it is super classy, but it's pricey. It's expensive. Just perhaps think about how you can tie your additional printing and stationery in with your theme without having to letterpress every darn thing. There are color schemes that you can maybe print things um, on other cards that are in a similar color scheme to your letterpress. You, I'm just saying you don't have to letterpress everything. Do a lovely invitation if you're going to invest in that. Do it for the invitation, but it doesn't mean you have to do it for every other piece of stationery in your wedding day. Think laterally when it comes to avoiding the printing. Personally, uh, I think, as I said, when I just, I'm just going to go back here. When I did this, when you are printing the programs and stuff, that's the noise you're going to get. You don't want people making noise when you're saying, I love you to your partner. There it is. You just don't want people fiddling. The end. As I'm saying about, I just wanted to remind myself to remind you, if you are using letterpress, I would like you to Google the term thermography. Instead of using letterpress printing, which if you've heard my Etsy, recent Etsy episode on the podcast, a lovely, lovely lady who has her very own Etsy printing press described how that works. And it's expensive because it's a handmade thing. It's an old school printing press that they do it. It's not off a computer. But thermography, instead of engraving uh, into the paper, you can cut your stationary budget, I reckon, maybe a quarter in half. A quarter is probably a bit too arsy. In half by using this technique called thermography. If you Google it, you'll be able to see it's got a very similar look to letterpress. Um, and I do believe, I think from memory, Wedding Paper Divas um, is one website that uses uh, thermography. I've read about them before, where you can get a very similar look for your letterpress style invitations by using their thermography technique. You can get it all over the place, but yeah, check out Wedding Paper Divas. I think from memory, they do a whole range of that stuff. My fourth way to save, and I think this is something if you are really on a tight budget, also if you have friends and family that are all over the shop when it comes to their location, this is something I'd really like you to consider, and that is cutting out or skipping some of the preliminary parties. I really believe we've become obsessed with all these pre-wedding events, 
And we feel that there is an expectation placed upon us and our guests and our bridal party to be involved in as many bloody parties and events to celebrate this wedding as humanly possible. Now, that is delightful. I love that people get together and have a lovely time, but I'm going to be 100% deadly honest with you. I've organized quite a few hen's days and bachelorette's parties and really have found them to be completely exhausting and wonderful at the same time. Now, when you are having expectations of people flying in from all over the place and creating a big hullabaloo for you, which is wonderful, I think you need to really consider about how much money you're spending on these events. And maybe you've got very gracious uh, family and friends who are contributing to this and you don't pay for it. But also what you're asking of all your family and friends to be, uh, you know, contributing to these other pre-events. There are lots of, I don't know, blogs and things that sort of say you have to have a, a really huge engagement party. And then after that, you need to have a bachelorette party and then a bridal shower. And after that, you need to have a rehearsal dinner and who gets to pay for that. So after you add it all up and you organize things, Especially, I think rehearsal dinners can be a, a crock of shit when it comes to money. And I'm sorry to use the swears so much this episode. I really am. But a rehearsal dinner, if you think about it, you are paying generally for a good chunk of your guests and important people to take a meal the night before your wedding when things are pretty crazy, when you don't necessarily want to be sitting and organizing and talking to people. You want to be out there fixing the final things, checking you've got all your stuff together. Trust me, those nights go very quickly. Then, you know, perhaps it's time to cut cut that fat when it comes to having all these excessive pre-wedding events. When it comes down to it, why you're listening to this podcast Unless it's just because you love my voice. Maybe you do. A lot of people like my accent. I'm delighted by that. Uh, But (laughs) the reason you are listening, I got off on a tangent then, to this podcast is you're planning a wedding that is usually the main event. That's what you're here for. So if you aren't full of beans when it comes to cash and money, perhaps you combine some of these events and not have, you know, you could maybe even have a joint hens and bachelorettes party i know that's controversial enjoy yourselves maybe you don't have a bridal shower maybe you don't bother having an engagement party maybe you put the money or you have a smaller engagement party and put that money into a wedding so just think about all these these pre-event planning and additional extras that you might not be expecting to spend like perhaps you're having a spray tan do it well in advance of the wedding. All I'm saying, you don't want to be too orange or weirdly brown when you've never had it before. Perhaps you want to have some extra beauty things. These all add up. So maybe it's worth weighing up what you would rather have as special treats before the wedding in relation to then having big parties and extravagant weekends away and hen's parties instead. Again, finally, I just want to say, You can still have these events, but they don't have to be elaborate. Pack your bags for a 14-day extravaganza cruise on the Caribbean islands or whatever. I'm saying tone it down, get sensible, get realistic, have a good time, don't stress. Is that enough? I've given you four additional ways to save. Just to go back through it, perhaps if you've got Joey from Friends as your friend, you could get him to marry you. That's one option. And if you're having a destination wedding, 
get married in a town hall or somewhere similar and then ask a beautiful family member or friend who you think is confident enough to go through with it to marry you there. I think that's a lovely idea. Embrace the all-inclusive. Get lateral thinking when it comes to buying a package, how you can tweak a package to make it work for you and your budget. Remember to go digital Cut the printing fat. You don't have to print out bloody everything. Make sure you think about what people will see and use on the day and otherwise get rid of it. No one cares about 50 different bits of paper. Combine all of your various messages into a smaller document, into less documents equals less printing and therefore less postage and less signage and less wastage. Lastly, of course, I, you don't need to be just, you just heard it. The last, the fourth one, cut the parties down. Cut the parties down, but add more fun. There it is. Have I been helpful? I hope so. If you like listening to the Save the Date Wedding podcast, I uh, I was going to say I beg of you, but that sounds desperate. No, I'm not begging. I'm not begging, please. Uh, I say subscribe. Get along. Also, if you have a question for Q&A Thursdays, I delight in receiving your emails and give me an update of how your wedding planning is going. I love sharing that with my listeners as well. And I know when I receive feedback from listeners, that's what people seem to enjoy. The Q&A episodes are where I really get the great feedback of people saying, oh, actually, that's very similar situation to my situation. So enjoy yourselves. I hope you have a great week. Until next time, happy days. Save time, save money, and save your sanity with the Save the Date Wedding Podcast.